In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So here we are on our kind of long slog through the Christmas season. And uh, this episode, as I think we'll discuss, is quite bare bones in many a way. But the thing that I found myself wondering about this morning in preparation for recording is, would you or have you... Uh, ever bought Christmas gifts for your co-workers? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, literally, I didn't, I, I don't even have to think about that. Like, no. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I've, I don't think I really know any office culture that would demand that you do such a thing. Um, but that, I mean, I feel like, I'm trying to think, actually, I said no so quickly, but like, there, no. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if at one time, like, pre-pandemic, if they ever did, like, a secret Santa thing for, like, the holiday party. Sure. But I actually, but now that I'm thinking about it, I, like, I don't think it was required. So I don't think so. I don't. But, but, but me of my own volition, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. As I said, like when I was thinking about it, the only thing that I could imagine is a scenario that you just described where it's like we're doing an office secret Santa and like, yeah. you know, maximum spend $30 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but in, and the reason I asked this is because in this episode, there is a scene in which someone has gotten everyone on the team gifts. And I just found that odd. I mean, I found it odd for many reasons because one, like if I, even if I were the sort of person to buy my coworkers gifts, I don't think I would like bring them along on a mission. Into space? Yeah. That yeah, seemed no, weird. weird. <laughs> to be like, I brought these so that I could give them to you while we were in the midst of a battle. And I'm like, that seems like a weird thing to do. Like, that's a weird choice. And also, I don't know. Like, I have varying levels of closeness with coworkers. And, like, I can't remember what happens in this show because, like, full disclosure, I literally watch it twice and, like, it passed over my eyes, but I did not absorb anything that was happening. You watched it um, twice? <laughs> Because the first time I watched it, I was like, I have no idea what happened. And then I watched it the second time, and I was like, oh, wait, I also didn't pay attention to this time. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, ugh, dang it. Um, but 
the other thing with like coworkers and gifts, I feel like it could open a can of worms in terms sure. of like who you're giving to, who you're not giving to. Um, because I can think of some of my coworkers, I would like to think of something very nice to give them. Sure. Something very thoughtful. Others, I could, I would be like, Lump of coal. Lump of coal. And, <laughs> and other people, a straight up, like, flaming bag of dog shit. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, that's the levels that I'm talking about. Like, sure. Um, so it would be hard to do all of those things in one workspace. Yeah. And in this case, like, I think it's like the person who's the team leader is the one who's bought all the gifts, which in a sense, I'm like, I guess that I understand that. that. But then what was not weird exactly, but added a level of complexity to whatever she set the task of like, I'm getting everyone on my team gifts. They were like clearly meant to be quite heartfelt and like personalized to each individual. And then I was like, that seems like really hard. Like, why would you, I, I mean, I wouldn't sign on to that challenge for myself. No, absolutely um, not. Well, and also, I mean, I guess their, their workplace or coworkers, it, their version of that is a little different than like, you know, I'm picturing like an office environment. Sure, sure. But, but like a sentimental gift for like a coworker is like a little bit weird. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's also, as you said, like, I'm like, is it because of the type of work that they do that they've developed a closeness that is different than, you know, an average typical coworker situation? Yeah. Probably. But I guess at the same time, I'm like, it is still a job though at the end of the day. Yeah. And I don't really get it. But like, I guess what it boils down to is more of a broader thing that I think we see a lot in like TV shows, especially is like the kind of gloss of putting, like, if it's a show about a workplace, then all of a sudden it's like, (laughs) Oh, we're a family now. And I'm like, gross. I don't want to be family with my coworkers (laughs) like at all. Well, I mean, it's so funny because like I see a lot of, like, workplace memes online and stuff. And, like, one of the big ones is, like, if they say the workplace is, like, a family or your coworkers are, like, your family, run. Get out. Because, like, (laughs) yeah, because, like, that's not healthy and it's also probably a lie. Oh, Um, 100%. But, like. It's one or the other. It's either, like. Yeah. Either it's being used to exploit and manipulate you in some capacity Or it's, like, indicative that something is just weird with the person saying it. And either way, you're like, maybe I better get out of here. Like, I'd be better served. And, like... Yeah, it's usually not good. But what I'm saying is, like, I... Yes, I agree with that. But what I also think is interesting is that TV shows that are set in a workplace environment, um, especially sitcoms, often are, like, we don't learn anything about anyone's home life. In those shows, it's like all about their interpersonal yeah. relationships and then with it, their coworkers. and so then they and they always have to do a Christmas episode or a something, and yeah. so then they so then it's like oh rem- remember how it's like um, Tandy's birthday this week, and I'm like <laughs> nobody in my office has ever once known or cared about my birthday. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but it's, I will say that 
where I work, they do, like, a birthday thing mm. and, like, how long you've worked at a, the company. So, like, every month they'll do, like, cake day. They, oh, I don't, intriguing. I don't go to the office anymore. So, yeah. Like, but, but in the past, <laughs> pre-pandemic, cake day was the best day. Well, sure. Um, of course and, it would be. And when when it's your month, like, your birthday month, you get to choose, like, what's your favorite kind of cake? And they'll get that. And they'll get, like, everybody's favorite kind of whatever. But you can also then judge people. <laughs> because Based on their remember, cake choice? <laughs> yes. And I fully <laughs> did. Because I remember people being like, their their choice for cake was, like, cheese and crackers. And I was like, you can go straight to hell. What? And, like, oh, yeah. People's, like, choice for cake was, like, something, like, super healthy. And I'm like, you can literally go fuck yourself. Like, you're, like get out of here with your, like, vegetable plate is your choice for a cake. Stop Oh, it. come on. Um, come on. Yeah. That's and such... Even, uh, even people whose choices were, like, funfetti, I was like, get a life. But, like... No. In uh, those circumstances, the only answer is Carvel ice cream cake. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Okay. That's that's a bold choice, too, but I, but I approve of that. Um... I mean, I think I always went with, like, chocolate of some kind. But, like, some people were very specific. They were like, I want the blah, blah, blah cake from blah, blah, blah bakery. And it's like, whoa. Um, so I, th- that is kind of fun. But it's definitely – I also feel like it's one of those things in an office that's, like, meant – I don't – upper management sees that as much more – important than it is yes if that yes. makes sense like, yes like, oh we're so charitable we give you cake correct and it's like you know what they're like i'd rather have fifty dollars yes. yes it's like <laughs> oh we care about your mental health and it's like yeah well if i really if you really cared about my mental health you would let me have a birthday where i just take the day off and that would be built and into that would be built into my like leave policy um which actually i will say has there (laughs) has been some traction here in australia about precisely having a floating day of the year that's your birthday that you can take off oh that's cute yeah that's like part of your leave package right like that's that's really nice i know a lot of adults don't like their birthdays so like they don't care but it's like fuck you (laughs) yeah i've taken i don't i don't i don't I've taken my birthday off, I think, the past few years, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's just fun not to have to work. And right, like, right. You literally don't have to do anything else. You could just be like, I've taken today off, and then I'll just, like, do whatever I feel like. Even if you're like. depressed. Yeah. Even if you're someone who doesn't like your birthday, it's like, I'm going to take a depression day then. And they should mm-hmm. actually have those as well. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, I guess they're called mental health days. But, like, Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I like that. Yeah. I don't feel like that would ever happen here, but... Well, it certainly can't happen in the context of the crew that we're watching because we've been kind of cagey about um, what this co-working space is. So we'll talk about that shortly. But hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space, Christmas edition. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about? Well... We are talking about a show that I am fairly confident no one's ever heard of. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it is called Space, colon, Above and Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and aired between 1995 and 1996. So it had one season. Oh, the, fair enough. 
Oh, and the specific episode that we watched is called The River of Stars and came out in December of 95 and was their Christmas episode. Right. Yes. Um, So, yeah, this is an intriguing one in the sense that, like, the reason I found this was because I Googled, like, Christmas sci-fi episodes. And this was on a list Mm. that I found. Hmm. Um, in terms of what space a colon above and beyond the series was about, the IMDb description describes it as the earth is embroiled in a desperate war against alien invaders. And this series focuses on one squadron of Marine pilots involved in it. So these are Marines. Um, so they're yeah. armed forces people, which is why we've already said like the workspace and environment maybe changes the dynamic between coworkers that, um, you know, they're not just showing up at the office every day. Um, (laughs) And so presumably there would be a closeness that develops out of the work that they're doing that is not kind of typical of most office cultures. Yeah, and the whole, yeah, the whole vibe of the Marines is like that whole no man left behind. So there is like a camaraderie thing that's built in. Yeah. Um, So some background just on the show in general to help us understand kind of like when and where we are. Um, This is, as you said, runs from 95 to 96, uh, but it is set in the years 2063 to 64. Um, So I guess about 70 years in the future from when it was created. Um, and it was created and written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who originally worked together on the X-Files. Um, mm. and so I, th- I think my surmisement, nothing that I read suggested this exactly, but like their success on the X-Files is what allowed them to consider branching out into some other things. And this was one of the things that was a branch out. Um, and in particular, it seemed like this was semi-inspired by things like, um, not the movie Starship Troopers, which I don't think had come out yet, but the book Starship Troopers, um, which we've talked about in our Starship Troopers episode and, and books, there are similar kind of stories of, um, how would I say a future, where um, kind of the military-industrial complex has effectively become the entirety of Earth society. Um, and what would that look like, and how would it be, and blah, 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 blah. So that's, I think, I think that's the world that this episode belongs in, right, in a broader sense, okay. um, that the people that we're seeing... Um, are part of a a human culture that is very much determined by what we would call a military-industrial complex sort of vision. Um, But to answer your questions, or like, it was originally planned to run for five seasons. It was canceled after one. This series really did not seem to find its audience, um, if there was such an audience somewhere. Um, unlike when we talked about, um, yeah, what was that thing that we just watched? Oh, Roswell. Roswell had this, like, yeah. very rabid fan base. I saw nothing to that 
extent going on here. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. I mean, it really is interesting what hits with people. I mean, I recognize that my take on it is not a helpful one, I guess, because like, I'm definitely just not the demo. Like, I, it is not my jam. Right. Um, because, But and it's funny to me because it seems so much like so many things that we've watched, it, or if not, like, I mean, it's pretty bad, but, like, it's just <laughs> as bad as, like, other stuff. I've hated it just as much as, like, other stuff we've watched, and that other stuff is more popular. I can't think of a good sure. example at the moment. Sure. But... So it's just weird that yeah. some stuff hits and other stuff people are like, meh. Yeah. I mean, and th- so this one, because maybe of its lack of popularity, was really easy to find. <laughs> and um, <laughs> It's all over YouTube. It, well, yeah, and for free. That's, like, even more the thing. Love is like, it. And, and it was, like, if I remember, like, on my one, it even maybe said, like, remastered. And I was like, this doesn't look remastered, but okay. I mean, their version of Remastered is a sad. Yeah. But, like. um, but nonetheless, for all that this maybe didn't find its place on TV, it maybe found its place somewhere because um, it has created some spinoff novels and comic books. Um, mm. So maybe it just lends itself better to that medium rather than TV. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's about all, like, I really, this one doesn't have much of an internet presence compared to other things that we've talked about. Um, in terms of the cast, this is, um, an ensemble cast, so I'm not going to mention everyone who is broadly part of the ensemble. I'm only going to mention the people who are important to, like, the story that this episode is trying to tell. Um, so the gift giver that I began asking about is Lieutenant Shane Vanson, played by a 27-year-old Kristen Cloak, um, who to me looked quite recognizable. And I think that's because, like, all I could really suss out, like, nothing really hit for me is, like, that's where I've seen her. But she has been in a lot of, she was in a lot of stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. Lots of TV in particular. Yeah. I'm trying to think if she was on an episode. I'm going to look her up while you talk. But, like, she she was really um, – she was really – what's the word? Oh, my God. Um, recognizable to me, too, and I couldn't place her. Yeah, and you may have better success, but I, I combed through her credits mm-hmm. and was like – Yes, I've watched Silk Stockings. She's in three episodes of that. I don't know that that's where I'm necessarily yeah. recognizing I'm her looking from. At her again. I'm looking at her again, and maybe she's not what I... Like, she still looks recognizable, but I, I was feeling like maybe she was someone else, I think. Maybe, yeah. Um, but for her, things start to slow down around the year 2000 and then never really pick back up. Um, Mm -hmm. then we have Lieutenant Cooper Hawks played by Rodney Rowland, who we have run across before. Um, we talked about him when we did our episode, um, Welcome to Paradox, the Daniel Gray episode. That was where he had all those different clones of himself at different ages. Oh yeah. Oh, I hated that one too. (laughs) (laughs) So he's from that. Um, okay. But, like, of the people here, he's pro- he's gone on to do quite a bit more stuff. 
Um, then we have Lieutenant Paul Wang, played by a 26-year-old Joel De La Fuente. Um, I definitely recognize him. I recognized him as well. I, again, wasn't entirely sure from where, but I do think it was I feel like it's gotta be... SVU. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's where I recognize him from. Yeah, because he's been around for kind of a while. This was early on. This was only his fourth credit. Um, but then soonish after this, he gets the role of Ruben Morales on Law & Order. So I think that's like a coroner or something. Yeah, um, I think that's right. And then he it looked like he was on that for a fair while. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, he was a series regular in another show that we talked about, The Man in the High Castle. Um, that was the mm-hmm. one where it was like, I what if... I remember that one. You do? Yeah. What I was it about? I, it was... <laughs> It was it was Nazi related. That's correct. What I about Good it. work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't really remember what else. It was about what if the Nazis had won World War Two, but it was so it Yikes. was like yeah. And I want to say it was like set in the early sixties. San Francisco. Yeah, and it, yes, because yeah, 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 it was yeah. like one side of the country was belonged to Japan, and that was San Francisco, right. and one side of the country belonged to the Nazis, and that was like New York City. Yikes. Yeah. Um, yes, I do remember that one. Yeah. So he's in that as a series regular, and then he also, <laughs> at the moment, like probably him and Rodney Rowland are the ones who maybe have had the kind of best careers of this crew, because mm-hmm. um, he's got quite a lot of ongoing work coming up. Um, mm. Then there's Lieutenant Vanessa, I'm not sure how to pronounce this last name, either it's Damphaus or Dampaus. I don't recall if anyone actually... I hope for her sake it's better the first way. Um, I don't know that I ever heard anyone say her name in this show, so I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but this is played by a 22-year-old Lene Chapman, who I absolutely recognized, but I wasn't sure from where until I looked at her IMDb page to discover that she played Ensign Serial Rager on Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation. Okay, what is that name? And say that again. The name her for character on so, TNG. Ensign is just her title. What's that mean? It's a rank, like a military rank. Okay. So Ensign okay. is just her title, and then Serial okay. Rager is Serial Rager. Okay. Her name on the show. Okay. Oh yes, she. Okay, I was not picturing who she's on this show. But, yes, I recognize her, too. And I guess it may have been from that. She was, because she was an ensign, which means she was always on the, in a number of episodes, she's on the bridge of the Enterprise. And they often say, Ensign Rager, blah, 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 blah thing. Yeah. You know, and so then she's like. sounds familiar. And so, but she was on a number of them. So I was like, I know I recognize her. I know I recognize her. But from where? But and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's that. And then I was like, oh, Sarah, you watch Star Trek: Next Generation too often that you recognize the like bit players who maybe have had like a barely speaking role in eight or nine episodes. (laughs) I'm not gonna judge. I'm not gonna judge you from that. I'm not gonna judge you for that. I literally see people sometimes, and I'm like, I know that guy. I know that guy, (laughs) and I look it up, and he's been on one episode of Criminal Minds. You know, like, so I won't judge you for that. Sure. Um, And she was on like I I I will say it was like 
truly, she had gotten some, I don't know enough about like the different tiers of like acting work, right? But yeah. she definitely had gotten an ongoing like one or two line an episode gig for a while. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know what money you get off that, but nonetheless, that's how I knew her. Um, and she's been in a variety of different things, but nothing that really seemed to particularly hit. Um, so her, yeah, her credits start to slow down in 2009. And then finally, we have Lieutenant Colonel Tyrus Cassius T.C. McQueen, played by James Morrison. Um, well, I suppose I would go by T.C. if my first name was Tyrus Cassius. Um, That's true. But I would also be like, hey, parents, why were you so in love with, like, Roman culture to name me this name? <laughs> like, um, wow. But we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. Um, so he has been around for quite a while, probably of, as it says here, he's got the most credits of anyone in the cast, his first being in 1984. Um, he's been in a lot of different TV in particular, seems to be where he's appearing most of all. Um, he was a series regular in a couple seasons of 24, um, he had a role in the more recent version of Twin Peaks. Um, he is also an accredited yogi, so, you know, enjoy that. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure I know what that means, even as someone who works in fitness. <laughs> um, that's, and is that on his, like, IMDb bio? Yes. Wow. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then this I specifically noticed and wanted to say for you, he's working on something at the moment called a Christmas cop. <gasps> the ghost of cop yet to come. I love that. And I think that's, I think that's the name of his role. I think he's playing the cop, oh. the ghost of cop yet to oh. come. Okay. 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 I think oh, oh I'm no. not totally We're back sure. Into Christmas Carol land. <laughs> yes, of um. course. Because we can never escape that at Christmas time. We can never escape that story. And you know the hell what? I love Christmas Carol and all, like no hate, but it's like not that great of a story. Like it's it's so it's, it's not for the amount we've overused it. I feel that's like. true. Yeah. Let me just have a like, look here. It's classic. I get yes, it. Yes. Like, so the story is called A Christmas Cop, and then the role he plays wow. is the ghost of cop yet to come. Oh my god, I love that. No, wait, when does that come out? <laughs> <laughs> Hold like on. One day. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't figure it out because I have to have IMDb Pro to get that information. Oh, that's fucked so. up. Maybe I'll look it up. But that's like it's probably because of the strike it got delayed. Oh god. So we may um, have to wait a couple years before Cop Yet to oh Come no. comes out. Or like a Christmas I'm cop mad. comes out. Um but yeah, I guess that'll just wet your whistle or pique your interest for whenever that does come out. <laughs> Cops night before Christmas. What is, I just Googled Christmas cop, and there's, like, too much stuff that comes up for a ridiculous thing. Intriguing. Cops night before Christmas. That's another anyway. rather <laughs> overused one in the Christmas uh, catalog. The night but, before Christmas? Yes, of course. Um and then now this episode 
is intriguing in how unintriguing it is, I guess I would say. Um, because this is nothing to do with a Christmas carol, and I don't even know that it's really connected to any Christmas story of note, really. Um, but it is vaguely tied to a thing. Actually, oh, I meant to look this up. So let me just quickly look this up. I'm like desperately searching for something about the Christmas cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will find out soon enough. Um, okay. So I, I just wanted to double check a thing that I was about to say and make sure it was true. So this is mm-hmm. true. So. Th- in a sense, I think this episode is inspired by true events which um, come from World War I, which is known as the Christmas Truce, um, oh. which was, uh, as Wikipedia describes it, a series of widespread unofficial ceasefires along the Western Front of the First World War around Christmas 1914. So... And this is a documented thing, and in fact, the episode begins with photographs taken from these events. And so basically, soon after World War II began, because World War II begins in 1914, um, mm-hmm. the, the fighting has already gotten quite uh, terrible. People all along different parts of the Western Front, which is the main um, area of fighting in Europe, decide... They're going to call off any fighting on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day of that year. And this happens, as that Wikipedia thing just said, unofficially. Um, So quite kind of organically based upon the men who are involved. And they start just doing regular Christmas stuff. In some cases, they do it together where they sing songs and, like, you know, make a little makeshift tree and all kinds of things. Um, and so that is a real thing that did, in fact, happen. Um, mm-hmm. So this episode begins, and I think it's um, Lieutenant Wang, whose voice we hear, explaining that this is a thing and, you know, but it's... Well, that's interesting, and I think could be a cool setup for a story. What we then end up seeing is kind of, to my mind, I was like, why did we even start with that World War One thing? We never talked. That never happened. Like we never got that out of this episode. Yeah. Because then, that's a good point. I did find that interesting historically. Yeah, no, it is interesting, and I'm. And so, what I thought was going to happen was I thought we were going to watch an episode where a similar thing was going to happen here, where like somehow they would cease hostilities because it's Christmas, and we would see them interacting with aliens in a way that is, or their enemies in a way that was different from usual. We did not see that. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we see is, like, so we drop in uh, to a space battle. And the ship uh, that the... I keep calling them the wild cards. This was something I got from Wikipedia because this... um, The whole premise of the show is that this is only focusing on one squadron. And the squadron are called the wild cards for some reason. I don't know why. 
Okay. Um, so their ship is in amongst a formation of other ships having a battle with um, the opposing side, which we learn later in the episode, the alien race with which humans are fighting in this series are called the Chigs. Um, Yikes, that's a terrible name. Yep, and I couldn't tell you more than that about them. Um, (laughs) I don't even really know why there is a conflict. I just know that's the story. So the cold open ends with the wild card ship having been damaged and, like, kind of spinning out of control, and we get to the credits. When we come back from the credits, we see that the wild cards are have been able to get control of the ship, so it's not just spinning over and over anymore, but the damage that they have sustained means that they are out of fuel, and um, they, the radio doesn't work, none of their systems work, and they are now in territory that is unsafe. They are in a territory that they are repeatedly referring to as no man's land. So to my mind, that's about the only okay. connection to the World War I cold open that we've got. Is like that the concept of no man's land exists in both cases. And I'm like, great. <laughs> cool. It's a, it's a thin line. <laughs> but yeah, it's very um, light. On connective tissue, I would say. <laughs> Just really quick, can I read you? Sorry, this is like a total interjection, but can I read you the um, description of a Christmas cop? Yes, absolutely. Please do that. Um, I can't. God, I'm so mad because I also can't find when it's coming out. But and I where did you even find this description? It's on IMDb. Oh, okay. Because I tried to get think, there and it wouldn't let me. I, okay. I think this is. Uh, yeah, that's IMDb. So it says, <laughs> oh gosh, okay. It's Christmas Eve in the big city of Chicago, and vigilante cop Nils Scroogeinson is in no mood to celebrate, and you can take that to the bank. That's it? That's, that's it, but Nils, Nils Scroogeinson is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. I agree. Like, that's a terrible name. Yes. But I love it. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so Ebenezer Scrooge. I was like, is Scrooge and Son, like, how, wait, what? Like, no, apparently not. And, like, then, and a vigilante cop is in no mood to celebrate. Okay. Oh, he's Scrooge. Duh. Right. Um, and you and you can take that to the bank. That sounds like he's gonna try and do a bank robbery. He's gonna rob a bank. <laughs> but also, like, they're like, but also Scrooge was like a tightwad. So like, that, does yeah, that that's that's like, true. That's intriguing. That's, it's just a terrible description. But also, the main it was the mainly the Nils Scrooge's in of it all. Yes. I, I think we just simply wow. must put it in our calendar for whenever that does come out. We got to make sure Shit. we give it a watch. I got to stay on that <laughs> and figure out when that comes out. Um, so back in the land of anyway. space above and beyond, um, back at the space station, TC uh, is watching as the ships in this latest Skirf, uh, oh, I was just about to say skirfle, and I'm like, skirfle isn't anything. I mean, scuffle. Um, oh, I was, I know what I did. I combined scuffle and kerfuffle. Yeah, and just yeah. skirfle. Um, I like skirfle. So he's watching everyone come back from the skirfle, and um, 
he notices that the wild card ship is missing and decides to send a rescue team. Um, back on the ship, however, because everything is non-functional, they're basically discussing the fact that like they're 100% reliant on being found and rescued, which, of course, is bad when you're in space because space is real big. <laughs> yeah, because what are you going to, like, I mean, I know that a lot of these space ships have, like, radars and sonars and, actually, sonars, I guess, water. But, like, they have all these things, like, GPS, whatever. Right. But, like, you can't be, like, I'm at the corner of Space Avenue <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. how are you going to be, like, where do you find me? I'm kind of next to a star, which actually is, like, I next to a black outside. A bunch like of other dark. stars. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, that's like that's a tough that's tough directionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean I know that they have a way. They already have ways to like measure the relationship between different things in space. I just don't entirely know what they are, but yeah. But irrespective of that, like the whole point is is like this the distance between things in space. This is why space travel is so crazy and so scary and so many things. The distance between things is so massive in space yeah. that, like, if you do lose somebody or something there, you need, I mean, and this already means, like, how can you lost, have lost it if you know vaguely where it is to st- search? It's like, yeah. then it can't be lost. You know, like, I get that. Yeah. But, like, their whole, what they're saying in this moment is, like, we're so far off course from where we should be and things being what they are in space, it's effectively a miracle if they were to ever find us. And that's what we would need wow. them to do because we can't do anything on our own. Yikes. Yeah. That's a big old yikes. And then Shane, who is the leader, I guess, I think she's the leader. She's like, well, I know this is weird, but Merry Christmas, everyone, and I've got your gifts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, she doesn't give the gifts out yet. Um, she just says it's Christmas. Then they they do manage to receive a radio message from the space station, but the problem is, is that they can't respond. And so they are told that this is where we're looking for you based on your kind of previous locations or whatever, and they're like, they're looking in the wrong place. So basically, that's almost like a radio message that is meant to be hopeful from the sender, but on the receiving end is like, you're going to die out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, not good. No, not good. Uh, we get a few little scenes back and forth in the station between... Um, TC and the guy I'm describing here as the more important guy in all capital letters. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite get this guy's name. Um, but I think that was his name. Yeah, probably. M-I-G. More important guy. <laughs> um, then we start to get into a bit of a space problems moment of the show. Uh, because the ship has lost power and there's no fuel, it's started to get quite cold. Um, 
they do notice a Chig, the Chig are the enemy alien race. They notice mm-hmm. a Chig ship passing, but it doesn't attack them. So they're like, I wonder why that would be. And the answer is, that's never picked up. I mean, that's the thing about this episode. I'm like, if you want it to be like this World War One thing, then the Chig ship should be reaching out and should be like trying to help you or whatever. And I guess you could argue, as the show goes on, that kind of happens, but it doesn't really. Um, yeah. So this is, oh, this is when Shane gives out gifts to everyone. Um, and they're all very happy with these respective gifts because um, she has done such a good job of lovingly picking out something for everyone, which, I'm, again, I'm like, this is just weird, man. Um, yeah. Then Coop... Uh, shares with the group that he doesn't really understand the purpose of these gifts and he doesn't really understand what Christmas is because, and this is practically a direct quote, he was raised in the IVF educational facility, Um, which I can only surmise means that in this future that we are looking at, um, some human beings are created purposefully to participate in military industrial endeavors like drones, basically. Mm-hmm. So like this, so Coop exists because someone has gone through IVF so that they can produce a person who's going to become a soldier without any question, I guess. Hmm. That was what I interpreted that to mean. Okay. So when he says that he's a sad sack loser who knows nothing about Christmas, um, various members of the crew start to share their thoughts about what the holiday means. Um, Later, TC sends them a message that is actually an, an actual message that some of the super earliest astronauts um, sent to Earth, I guess probably in the 60s it would be, um, because they were up orbiting the Earth on Christmas Day some year in the past. So he, we listened to them talk that. That goes through. Um, then Wang notices that there's a comet headed directly for their ship, and they can't get out of the way, of course. Um, so now we're in massive space problem territory. Um, meanwhile, so annoying. Yeah, the thing you really don't want, and especially on Christmas. Um, Terrible. Back at the station, uh, they've started to receive um, a message from somewhere. They're not sure precisely where from. And they're like, it's Morse code, but it's very odd morse code and so we don't think it's coming from people on the ship it's coming from somewhere else and the message is saying that the wild card ship is not where the search teams have been going but in fact in this no man's land territory back on the ship the wild cards have gotten a similarly strange message 
in this same kind of, I guess, sort of unusual form of Morse, Morse code. But it's telling them that they, if they just adjust their trajectory a certain amount, they can use the gravitational pull of the comet to get them back into their own territory. Hmm. And so they decide that that's what they're going to do. Um, at this point, Wang actually has to manually adjust the engine so that they can get it at the right angle to like match the, the kind of angle that they need to go relative to the comet. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it kind of happens simultaneously that people on the ship and people at the station start to realize that the message, the messages they've been getting in this strange Morse code are actually from the Chigs themselves, um, helping them to get back to where they belong. And so then they manage to use the information that the Chigs provided with them to follow the comet. So then we get to watch a bit of a scene of them positioning such that they can follow the comet back to their own space. And finally, the final station is back on the space station. Everyone is happy and recovered now. It's the Christmas party, naturally. Um, <laughs> and that is the show. Everybody's favorite. That's the show. Wow. Wow. I think that's the least we've ever talked about anything. It took like 15 minutes to talk about this show. <laughs> I know, which I kind of love. So, I, like, I hated this show and was, like, mad that I, like, watched it twice and, like, didn't... Yeah, that is a bummer. No doubt about that. <laughs> but I do love that it's uh, just a quick chat <laughs> yeah. to talk about it. I mean, there was just very little there. Yeah. And I guess as well... Yeah, and that's... Like, it was a lot more of just, like, watching things happen... And, like, people yeah. talking and musing, but, like, not much. Like, but even when I say watching things happen, I'm like, not much even happened. Yeah, not any, and nothing, like, worth, nothing of note, per se. Yeah, it's I like, guess that's why you had to watch it twice. <laughs> I guess so, because I was like, I was waiting for something to happen, I guess. And actually, I was thinking, like, sort of close to the end of my second viewing <laughs> of not watching. Um... I was like, I will say it's sort of a good background show in that I've watched it in the background twice. And sure, like, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't bothering me. To <laughs> I just like, I just couldn't be bothered to actually put my eyes on it. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Like, no, I think from what I gather about how the, the rest of the show works with these chigs and the battles and the stuff, I think those would have been very frustrating episodes for you to watch. But yeah. this was like, yes, they were in a spaceship. Yes, they were having space problems. But, like, they weren't even really discussing them terribly much. Like, <laughs> they were just like, let's talk about what you think the meaning of Christmas is for this guy who yeah, got like, raised like, in an orphanage. Have, yeah, like, how come you don't have faith in Santa Claus? Right. And it's like... That conversation was wild to me. I was like, what are we doing? Like, are we in a spaceship, like, fighting, like, an alien race? Or are we talking about, like, people's belief in 
Santa. I mean, maybe that is a thing that happens in the context of military, not even like a conflict, maybe just like in military life where it is like a lot of like waiting around, you know? And so it's like, we got to talk about something. Maybe this is what we talk about. Um, Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I, I found this show dull and confounding like I was because like yeah I guess we can use this and then slide into yawns and eye rolls because I just was like so you've started with this historical event that is kind of cool and intriguing about a ceasefire on Christmas day and then the way you set it up suggests to me that's what we're going to be watching in this episode yeah and I and I did not get that from this so no. I was like, it is, we're in no man's land, sure. There seems to be a vague acceptance of, like, we're not going to harm this already harmed ship anymore. But it wasn't because the Chigs know about Christmas. Like, <laughs> right? it's it seemingly, and maybe that's the point, maybe that's what we're supposed to think, is, like, maybe that's miraculous then if they don't hurt you and is that and like it's a christmas miracle is that oh what we're saying that's really lame if that's what they're trying to say i really don't well i mean i don't know but you know yeah um so then let's turn to yawns and eye rolls uh (laughs) for yawns which is maybe where this so show excels um (laughs) we have one yawn is like absolutely captivating couldn't take my eyes off it. And Tanyon's is absolutely stultifying. Uh, couldn't keep my eyes open. What would you give it? Ooh. Okay, well, my eyes were open. But <laughs> they just weren't on the program. Um, hmm. So, like, yeah. It was pretty boring for me. It was just, like... So I'm going to say, like, mm, I'll be nice and say seven. Oh, okay. That is pretty nice. Um, <laughs> trying to think here. Yeah, I think I agree with you and go seven on this. Um, I found it relaxing in its way. Yes. Um, yes, I agree. Because normally when I'm taking notes, I have to like furiously be writing and like <laughs> sometimes have to like go back and like be like, oh shit, I missed something. Yeah. This had none of that urgency whatsoever. <laughs> like, um, You're like, there's literally nothing happening, so I don't need to write. Yeah, down. so after a while, I was like, I think I can even like put this pen down and have a sip of my tea and my. <laughs> Anything that happens, I'll have plenty of time to write it down as it's going. Um, So there was something about that that I kind of appreciated, I suppose. Um, Sure. But I still found it pretty dull in the broad broad scope of things. Um, In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, you know, this world seems fine to me. It hangs together. And 10 eye rolls is like, this is, you know, utterly nuts. Not not for me. What would you give it? Hmm. 
That's tough because I I think the world makes sense. It's a boring world <laughs> and a sort of like I don't care about it world. But I feel like the world, I, I guess it makes sense. They're a, a military squadron fighting in space. I guess I can believe that for 2063. Sure. Sure. I don't know. So I guess I'll say a five because I don't feel educated enough to even say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I the world building such as you could suss out from this show is perfectly fine. Um, yeah. I just didn't care about it. Yes, exactly. So that's, that's right. Yeah. Maybe then I'm a five as well. Cause I'm just like, um, we're just indifferent. We don't care. Yeah. Do, do your fun little show. Yeah. It's boring. Nobody yeah. cares. So then I guess, <laughs> sadly, here we are. Did you like <laughs> this and would you recommend it? Yeah. That's a no and a no. Like I, it's boring and it's a lot of things that I hate. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a no for me. Yeah, I similarly would say no and no. Um, I There's a part of me that's a bit curious about what other episodes might offer. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is free on YouTube, so, like, knock yourself yeah, out. Yeah, that, that, is, like that is the one recommendation we do have, free on YouTube. Um <laughs> And, and so there's a part of me that's kind of curious about, like, if we had watched a more, let's say, typical episode, what would I think? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand that the Christmas episode for many a show stands out as different from the usual in various ways. Yeah. But, like, yeah, this year the two TV episodes we've watched, I'm just very, like, I don't even particularly um I don't even particularly like care about any of these characters like even like and I don't how would I say I know sometimes that's difficult in the context Christmas cop it I mean I already care about Nils and (laughs) screw what is his name Nils and Scroogeborg or something Actually, I kind of like that better. No, Nils Scroogeinson. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm already much more, just from that description, I'm much more invested yeah. in whatever is happening in that guy's life yeah, than any same. of these people. Um, same. And it's not just because of the wacky name. It's genuinely, I'm not sure what, It just yeah. genuinely sounds more interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess, stupider probably, but more interesting. (laughs) Assuredly, assuredly stupider without a doubt. And sometimes that's what makes it interesting because you're like, how, how, how like stupid will it get? How is this stupid going to be executed? You know, like that sort of thing. Um, so I guess Mm -hmm. what we can say about space above and beyond is, we think it's available to you for free on YouTube. And so you can explore that at your own risk yep. if you like. Don't tell anybody <laughs> we told you to do it. But, like, whatever you want to do, you're going to do. And probably if you're looking for Christmas fair, look for something else. Oh, oh yeah. I have a lot, different, a lot of different recommendations. Like... 
I mean, they're nothing like this, but like, uh, for example, like a, a night, like something '90s-ish and Christmas, good old Home Alone. Of course, you know, like, yeah. yeah, 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 sure. That's my recommendation. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> Merry Christmas. All the Christmas, all the all the Christmas stuff. I'm just gonna recommend a different Christmas movie. <laughs> Great. So this one is Home Alone. Next week we'll be recommending <laughs> Die Hard original. Yep. <laughs> like whatever you like. <laughs> um, well, I I can't say that the show was a success, but I would say, as always, it's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you today, Amy, and with you listeners. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week. In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.